Hello and welcome to Reading the Bible Cover to Cover in 365 Days. My name is Andrea Lendy, author of the book and Bible reader and studier for over a decade. And I'm excited to share some thoughts with you about today's reading. Welcome to day 44 of Reading the Bible Cover to Cover in 365 Days. Let us pray. Oh, Lord, teach us more about you and your ways today. May you impart wisdom into our hearts as we read your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, let's go to Mark 16 and celebrate. Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James and Salome, brought the spices to anoint Jesus' body and went to the tomb. They wondered who would roll away the stone, but when they got to the tomb, they saw it was already rolled away. I want to point out that they would not have had the strength to roll away the stone, however, they went anyway. Let's look at this another way. They knew they were supposed to anoint Jesus' body. So they went and spent money on spices that they needed. They even went to the tomb to perform the act. However, there was something they were unable to do, and that was get to his body. From their understanding, the body was still tucked away inside the tomb, and they wouldn't have had the strength to actually do what God called them to do. But they went anyway. Sometimes we are called to do something but we don't know the how. These ladies went so far as to buy what they needed and take the journey to the tomb, even though they didn't know the how. God supplied the how then, and he will most certainly supply the how now. Next, we read about the ladies meeting an angel of God, telling them Jesus had risen. How exciting. But the word says they were struck with terror. I'm sure we would have been as well. Sometimes when God asks us to do something, we are afraid too. But we will meet with his miracles, his wonder, and his perfection when we step into his calling for our lives. This may have been a small act these ladies were undertaking, just simply annoying a body with spices, but it turned out to be a most significant message, the most significant message that they were to give the disciples. Jesus had risen. The Messiah, their Messiah, had come, and now they could rejoice in their Savior, Finally, understanding and knowing that he was the one, the one who had been promised to them throughout the ages. The word says he first talked to Mary Magdalene. This was the woman he had driven seven demons from. His first meeting after death was the one who had been one of the greatest sinners that he had saved. What a wonderful act of service to meet with her, a woman of no stature other than poor stature and reputation. Jesus came to save every lost soul, not just the already righteous, not just those of position and rank. In fact, most of those people didn't recognize him as the Messiah. He came into this life in the most humble of circumstances, and he showed himself as the king he was to the most humble person, a woman of poor stature. He came for her, and he came for you and for me. We can be most grateful today that we are not counted among the lost, but are saved whatever our stature and rank is. It means nothing to Christ the King other that we are his. Well, let's see what's happening in Romans chapter 16. In the first half of this chapter, Paul is sending greetings to a number of the people in the Roman church to include a woman named Phoebe, who is a deaconess in a church. Paul writes about her helping him and others, shielding them from suffering. He asks the people to help her with whatever she needs to assist those in need. Just something to note that he writes significantly more about this woman than the others he sends greetings to. It shows us women were a part of the church in leadership roles long, long ago. 
In the second part of this chapter, he warns against people who create dissension, difficulty, and division concerning the teachings they have been taught by him. He literally tells them to avoid them because they serve themselves rather than Christ. In the second part of verse 18, he writes, by ingratiating and flattering speech, they beguile the hearts of the unsuspecting and simple-minded people. Let us too be on our guard for those who stir up strife and try and deceive us and possibly others about the truth of Christ. If we have a question about what is true or what is false, let us be assured that God is our teacher, strengthener, and the only wise God, as Paul writes in verses 25 through 27. He is our keeper, so let us defer to him. Well, let's see what's happening in Exodus chapter 37. In chapter 37, we see the continuation of the building of all the things in the sanctuary. Of particular interest to me is the mercy seat, which was made of pure gold. The mercy seat was the lid of the box that contained the tablets, mercifully covering the law given to Moses for himself and the people. God's mercy should not be taken lightly here. He is a merciful God, just as he recently told Moses as he passed by, so that Moses could see his back in chapter 34, verse 6. This mercy seat signified God's dwelling place, and of course it was covered in pure gold, signifying God's divinity and his glory. There were two cherubim made of gold whose wings essentially covered the mercy seat. According to some articles, this signifies God's presence and holiness. I'm including a reference I've found with a picture of the mercy seat in the Facebook group so you can see a visual of what the mercy seat actually looks like. I find it amazing that such a beautiful construction was made by the people so long ago. Again, we see God's spirit of wisdom, knowledge, and all other necessary skills were put into the people to build these amazing things. In chapter 38, we see Moses took count of everything that was donated to build everything God commanded. Again, an amazing feat when we think about these people being in the wilderness. If you remember, before they left Egypt, they took as much jewelry and other things as they could wear from the Egyptians. God in his omniscience had given them all they needed to construct what they needed to build him the sanctuary he needed, down to the last detail, with more left over. God is a God of perfection and a God of abundance. Well, let's see what the sons of Korah wrote about in Psalm 44. Psalm 44 was written while the people of Israel were in captivity in Babylon. He writes about the wonderful works God has done in the past for his people. This generation, however, had not seen the miracles that God had done. They had simply heard about them from being passed down through the ages. Now, the people were suffering in bondage. They were brought low as a people. The final verse in this psalm is a cry for help from Almighty God and says, Rise up, come to our help and deliver us for your mercy's sake and because of your steadfast love. An amazing ask. Why? Because God is a God of mercy and love. The psalmist pleads with God based on God, based on who God is. And I love how he queries God. I believe this psalm is a great example of how to pray. He starts off with the good things God has done, then moves on to their hardship. And lastly, ask God for his help based on who God is. Let us pray. Oh, Lord, thank you for being the God of mercy and love. Thank you for showing us more of who you are through your word. May you reach down and bless and comfort us where we need blessings and comfort, Father, for you are a merciful and gracious God who desires to bless his children. Help us receive all you have for us to receive, Lord. 
May your love cover our hearts and minds today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for walking this journey with me and being a faithful reader of God's word. I pray that he shows himself as the God who loves you deeply and cares about every detail in your life. Come back tomorrow for some more thoughts and insights as you read God's word. 